This is Agents Influence Podcast. If your prospect is a Mercedes-Benz, then, you know, then stop making it look like a used Buick to your underwriter. Show it for what it is. You need to showcase that thing so that they want to write it, that they want to underwrite it, that they want to find it. Your reputation is on the line. Your ability to sell to the insurers online. And frankly, if we don't do our best job of showcasing the prospect to the marketplace, then shame on us because we have just handcuffed the insurer's ability to get a good quote from that carrier. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 loyal listeners, how are you? Just go ahead and say it. Say, I'm doing good, Cass, and I'm about ready to get better because Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass um, has started, and uh, I welcome you. Not all the time do we do so many podcasts uh, with Agents uh, Influence, and Agents Influence is so unique because it's where we kind of get outside the agency, right? Getting practical agency intelligence in the agency. That's what we do there. And it t- and I tend to have more of those guests because those are the people I'm communicating with every day. But then again, we I reach out and uh, people reach out to me. But today I've got uh, somebody that I know that you guys know. If you're, if you're just in the LinkedIn era, if you're alive out there, um, then you probably know him. And this is long overdue because it's funny. Him and I actually did a podcast about a year ago, and the and the sound quality was so terrible. We said we got to record that, and we've been fighting for the last over a year to get back to where we are. And so I'm anxious to bring to the stage, to bring to the forefront, to put into your ears, Mr. Charles Speck. How are you doing, sir? Jason, I'm doing great. I really appreciate being with you today, man. And yes. I'm happy that we're here. Third time's a charm. This thing's going to work. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's crazy. It's crazy. And and so I have so much quality on here that, Charles, I got I can't bring on all the superstars at once. So we had to spread you out, man. So I know that you feel that. Yeah. And, and I look forward to this conversation. And, Charles, let's get right into this. Um, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? Oh, well, let's see. Anybody who's anybody is an iPhone user, so absolutely iPhone. No, 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 no. If you if you ask the loyal listeners, you say loyal listeners aren't now just scream loud if you like droid. And that Yes, yes, see? See? See, it's it's and, and since that sounds fake. It, no, it's not fake, Charles. Yeah. And so if 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 the loyal listeners, if we're here for them, Charles. And they agree. I think you were wrong. iPhone out the door. Anyways, you know, the truth of the matter, Charles, um, one thing I do need to tell the loyal listeners, my sons have bu- bugged me forever that they want the iPhone. And, I, and, and I'm, yes. I'm, I'm like, no, it's not allowed in here. You know, so my 20 year old, he's now moved out of the house. He just is getting a new phone and he's getting a droid. So I guess he moved into it. But my, but my, my 14 year old, he's just been on me. I mean, on me. I mean, look, you've got your I young know. kids. And I know. Going, they're around. 
I know. I, I really right? sound like that. So I didn't do that anymore. I'm now letting them play on my lawn because I went out and got phones for me and my wife. My my wife, literally, our, our puppy dog um, ate my wife's phone. I'm not joking. Like, he literally crunched it, ate it. It was unbelievable. My wife is not happy. Did you huh? Did you just so say you got for my for my new? son, I gave in and got him an iPhone. I I got the new Droid S10 Pluses, but my wife and I did. But him, I got him an iPhone, and it was the first time that we've had an Apple product inside of our the cast premises. So I want to let loyal listeners know I have relinquished control there. I'm not, but I'm now letting the kids play on my lawn, and I'm not yelling at them as Charles says. So just 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 let them know. The defection is taking place. He is slowly coming over to the dark side. <laughs> love it. Uh, Charles, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? What would be that? Oh, man. Well, nobody likes to – nobody wants to lose. But I would say that at the end of the day, I want to win. And I think that here's the reason. You know, like I, I always sort of grew up in sports, whether it was Little League, high school, played college baseball and so forth. And if you're ever like, you know, trying to bat and you're sitting in the batter's box, if, if you're thinking to yourself, I really hope I don't strike out, if you're going to strike out, you're not going to get a hit. But if you want to actually hit, like you're just, it's so much looser, right? You're just so much more loose. Same thing like shooting a free throw, whatever it is. Like if you feel like you want to actually accomplish it, you're more likely. So do I want to win? Absolutely. Absolutely. I like 100%. that. I like that. And to where you are now, I mean, you've got a lot of skills, a lot of talents. You do a lot of things and you wear a lot of hats. And we're going to discuss that here in a minute. But what has probably gotten you there more out of these two, skill or luck? Hmm. I think luck. You can develop skill, but frankly, you know, just I don't really believe in luck. I believe, you know, definitely in, in hard work. But if I was to maybe balance the two, definitely luck. Um, coming in, you know, at a certain time, focusing on what it is that I focus on. There, there's a lot to be said for skill. Don't get me wrong, but that can be built up. But you know, frankly, if you get in at the right time, if you're doing it one way that maybe others aren't doing it, that's a little bit lucky. And so I would say I definitely feel like I get some of my success. I like it. Just because I like of good it. Fortune. And so Charles, so tell us, you have wore a lot of hats. Take us back to high school. Take us back to uh, college. Wrap it up in three minutes or under. But tell us who you are and where you've come from. All right. So born in Illinois, lived in Illinois for about 16 years of my life. Also Wisconsin, really kind of consider Wisconsin old home. Uh, sort of Midwest boy transplanted out here to California in 1998, looking for a job, met a girl. She uh, fell madly passionately <laughs> in love with me first sight. <laughs> Her story is slightly different than mine, but you know, we got married and I realized that I have to get a job. I got to get serious about this. So looked into a few different things. A buddy set me up with an interview uh, with an insurance agency that was local in town. I didn't know anything about insurance other than the fact that my personal auto insurance was way too much. It's about all that I knew about insurance. But uh, best thing that ever happened to me as far as careers you know, goes, uh, this was back in uh, 2000. So I started working for an independent insurance agency in 2000. And it was a nice, good local regional brokerage firm focusing on, I think, a lot of what I would consider small to medium sized accounts, really cut my teeth in construction doing contractors. Um, I was there for about a year and a half or so, eventually made a switch over to a much larger insurance agency. Arthur J. Gallagher with an international uh, flavor to it and was there up to, I think, for about eight years. So continued to sell insurance, a lot of construction, did a lot of janitorial, large property. Uh, that was my focus, I think, for the most part. 
eventually got out in 2011, rolled my book on a, uh, on a buyout, started up my consulting company where I was definitely doing something different than I am now, but I set up a consulting company. Uh, so I was no longer selling insurance. I was advising insurance uh, buyers, larger buyers, large construction companies, manufacturers on what to do with their agents, how to make sure their agents were doing the right job and a good job and so forth. And did that for a couple of years. And over the course of time, just began realizing that there's this huge hole. I think this is where that lucky part comes into it, Jason. But I saw this huge hole in that these agents really didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what their value was. They didn't really know how to prospect. They didn't really understand how maybe even to build rapport to establish, you know, what the, what it was that they were doing for their clients over the course of the, the policy period. So I just began working with some of them, began training them and kind of shifted and pivoted in my consulting practice. This was about five years ago. And you know, since that time, almost 95 to 99% of my work now is done exclusively with insurance agents vast majority of those are going to be independent agents where I work with them on, for the most part, prospecting, marketing, how to close the sale and so forth. It really is you know, really focused on new business production for the independent agent. Yeah. So you do have a unique thing and overall your big mantra, your 50,000 foot view is, is you teach agents how to not play the quoting game and play and get business through broker of record letters. From a high point, that's what it is, right? 100%. Okay. Right. And so this something that I would say the only person I know in the industry, there's probably more, but that I know of and I know personally is Randy Schwantz. He, mm -hmm. he teaches very, very the wedge. He teaches a very similar method. Am I right or wrong about that? Yeah, I would say very similar. Yeah, very it comes from the same thought of don't play the quoting game. Um, mm -hmm. Don't do what 90 to 90, I'm serious, probably, it's, this is way more than the 80-20 rule. There's probably 80, 90, 90 to 95% of the agents out there play the quoting game. I'm one of them. So I want you to know, loyal listeners, we're not downing anybody. Um, I really do. I think it's closer to 99%. Probably 99%. I'm, I'm serious. I, I don't, uh, those are the guys we hate. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I, I'm just being real, right? Those are the guys who are like, the, what we say is insurance agencies, owners or business agents, as we say, those guys, they don't really know how to sail. So what they do is they come in in like the dark of night and then they just, they just steal it out from under you on a broker of record. Labor. That's, that's mm -hmm. sleazy. You hear yeah. that. What's your comeback to that, Charles? It is sleazy if you're doing it wrong and in, in, in a, in a non-tactful way. But if you're working with a prospect who's right now just not happy, satisfied, or loyal with the level of service that their current agent is getting, giving to them or even the agency, then it would be wrong to move them to a different policy. Certainly, if the policy is the best one that they've got, it would be wrong, almost unethical, to move them to a different policy when you can simply just alleviate the problems that they're dealing with right now on the service side with one signature. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, the at least in commercial insurance, I think it might even be higher in personal lines, but 92% is the industry statistic that whoever is the incumbent agent is going to retain the business because they've got access to everything. So to go through the quoting game, it really is a waste of time. I mean, 92% of the agents out there are going to retain their business. That means those who are coming in quoting are going to lose. They're going to waste their time. And just imagine like doing something where you're like constantly losing 92% of the time. That, that just, it just, I've doesn't never, I've never framed it that way in my brain, but that makes sense. If we have a 90 to 92% retention ratio, that means the agents competing against me are losing eight to 10% of the, or winning eight to 10% of the time only. 
So that's uh, wow. I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't think of it from that frame of reference. That's cool. Yeah, and so you know, I I teach the broker record, but there's. I mean, we can talk about how many different ways in which the VOR process doesn't work because there's plenty of ways in which it does not work. And I have nothing wrong with quoting so long as we really are focused on getting what we want out of this out of this process with the insured. You know, such as you know, we get to represent the markets we want. We make sure that the current agent doesn't get a second look. The insured's very clear about what it is that we have to do in order to be guaranteed the business. You know, once we show up with the quotes, and so if we get firm buy-in, you know, with the insured on the things that we want, 100%. If you feel like you've got a really good shot at this going forward, then I'm all for it. I'm going to support you in that in that route. But just the blind quoting is what I'm trying to eradicate from the insurance industry, Jason. It's the blind quoting. It's the throwing Love mud it. against the wall. And I'll be place. I'll be a huge and, supporter of that with you, Charles. I really will. I I yeah. mm, I love that, and I can hear it in your in your voice. That's genuine, and I like that. So right now, total CSR. You familiar with them? Okay, mm-hmm. this is probably Absolutely. coming yeah. out around the Fourth of July area, Charles. Okay, this 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 podcast mm-hmm. that we're talking. Just loyal listeners, you guys always like to know this. It's funny they tell me that they like this, Charles. But today it's June Fourteenth. We're recording this. Probably going to come out then, so it's been released. But my total CSR, not my, but I joined forces with Total CSR and created a prospect sales training course. Okay. And, and we just, we, like I said, it just was released as of July 1st. And so it's probably out there. I encourage you to go to totalcsr.com, totalcsr.com. I think it'll be unbelievable. Some of their other educational platforms that they have for commercial line CSRs, personal lines, they do some great stuff. What you just said though, Charles, is what I'm going back to is that Agents call me and they say, Jason, I need some 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 tips and how do I close? Okay. They don't necessarily say that, but that's what they're saying when they have sales when they have sales issues. And one of the things that I teach, Charles, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong or right here, because I think it goes to what you're saying, is that I teach them that if you get to the proposal and you didn't ask all the questions at the beginning before you even started quoting, that's when the close is, right? Tying them down, finding mm-hmm. those pain points, those values, the things that are that the other agent's not doing wrong, that's a thorn in their side, and being able to fix that, getting commitments from them up front that the agent is not an issue, that if you do do something and they, are they willing to pack their bags and move out with you? And then if they do, is there a certain amount that they're wanting to save? Da, 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 da. Getting commitments on all those things before we even start quoting, we may not even we may not even quote if we can't get those commitments, especially the agent relationship. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things. If a guy plays golf with his buddy on Wednesday, that's going to be a really, really tough one. You know what I mean? What say you about some of the things I just said, Charles? Well, the pre-qualification and commitment, pre-qualification is what I think about. Commitment is what you said, and they're the same in essence. You know, when you are meeting or one of the loyal listeners here is meeting with a prospect, you know, you have to be pre-qualifying that account constantly. Every time you're talking to them, every question, every form of communication is an element of pre-qualifying that account. And in essence, they need you as much as you need them, if you really think about it that way. And we're trying to figure out, you know, is this going to be a good account for me? Do I have a real shot at winning this? And I firmly believe that if you've done your homework and you've done what you're supposed to do, once you get to the point of actually showing your proposal, it should be 
a slam dunk already. Like you should absolutely out if you've done your work, if you've gone right. through the process. But most agents don't do that. Again, they don't pre-qualify it. They don't find holes. They don't find gaps. They look at the opportunity to quote as a win, and it's not a win. It's a huge waste of time. So that pre-qualification element so completely important, and the commitment aspect. If you have the commitment from the insurance buyer that they will do business with you, if you can do X, Y, and Z, then then you're going to be in a strong position to win. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. You're so right, Charles. Loyal listeners, please understand that this is when we make – price will always be a concern, but by doing other things, we can make it not the main concern, right? We can make it a concern that has lesser meaning to them other than relieving the pain points they have. People will do anything to relieve pain, right, they, and to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And so I believe some of that. I love this, Charles, because you're you're so right in, in, in what you're saying because – Oh, I just could go on and on Be- because what we do is we uh, – th- and everything goes back to prospecting in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we're lazy and the reason why we get in the quoting game when we don't want to ask those questions is because the person is breathing and they said, yeah, I'll let you quote my insurance. Mm-hmm. You're off to the races, right? That's the quoting game. That's what you're trying to eliminate, Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm trying to eliminate. It's, it's a waste of time. But I call it the honest filter. Charles, I call it when you are at that pre-meeting and you're not you're not really there to try and quote or collect information yet. You're there trying to assess if there's a need, if the if there's an agent relationship, what are the values, what can you bring, do they have holes, all that stuff. You before you go into the next phase of collecting information, quoting, I call it the honest filter, where I call it a now, never, or later. And you have to feed the information that you've gained through this honest filter to -hmm. say, is this really something I should quote now? Is this possibly there's some pain points I should quote it later? Or is this like a never? Like this is just never going to probably pan out. How Mm -hmm. do you – is that something similar you teach your people? That's how I teach my producers and my agency. I would say there's a lot of similarities there. And and I use different percentages to kind of maybe highlight this that if you look at 100% of the insurance buyers out there in your space, at any given time, you know, 15% of those are just married to their agent. Like it's their buddy, it's their relative. They're just never going to leave that agent, even if you're 50% less expensive. Like you're just never going to get that account. That, yep. that's a, there's another 15% right now who would hire you on the spot because they're just not happy. So they, they are actively looking to make a switch. They might not know that the BOR really is even something that's out there available to them, but they are wanting to make the switch right now. You know, the producer is not servicing, the agency personnel is not servicing, whatever it is. They are a yes right now, which leaves then the other 70% of insurance buyers out there on the spectrum of somewhere either neutral, closer to wanting to leave, or closer to very happy. 
And those are the ones that we kind of have to find out. So the, the yes, maybe or never, however you said it, very similar to that. And, and I look at it from just the percentages. There's 15% who want to make a switch. There's 15% who never will. There's 70 who are on that spectrum of somewhere in between there. Wow. Okay. Okay. And you doing this much longer and honing this skill in upon many agencies and the success that you've had, I, I take that those percentages are pretty close to, to being accurate. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't done any formal studies. These are basically based on my experience as you know, a broker for 10 years, as a consultant who is hired by insurance buyers and just seeing what's going on in their minds. And then you're know, just even working with you know, insurance agents. But I think that those are relatively adequate and accurate rather than you know, what I'm seeing out there in the marketplace, because I do have a lot of clients who are getting the broker record letter on the very first appointment with the prospect because you know, they're uncovering the problems. They're seeing that the insured isn't happy. It's not the carrier. You know, they're fine with the carrier. It's just that they're not quite happy with the agent that they have and they want to make that switch. And so I'm seeing that typically on average, you know, about 10 to 15 percent of my clients are getting the BOR you know, on the very first appointment meeting where they're sitting down with the prospect. That's huge, dude. That's huge. So see, it makes you reposition your thinking there, loyal listeners, that you've had that person that you thought came in the middle of the night and swooped that. Mm -hmm. now, now, though, Charles, now here's what comes the uncomfortable part, is that when you realize that happened to you, the person could have been a sleaze, mm -hmm. but the person also could just be doing the job that you weren't right? Maybe there's something about your agency. Now, you may say, no, Jason, that's not right because I have so many clients who love me. That's fine, but everybody's got different personalities, right? Mm -hmm. Not everybody's personality fits yours or, or the makeup. And I think so many times, Charles, we try to be something to everybody that when somebody doesn't find us attractive and wants to leave, we feel as that is very insulting. Where I've noticed a lot of agencies who focus on and they define the profile of what the client, their customer, their prospect looks like, they have less emotion. They have, uh, I can't really say it. They have less emotion. They have less, uh, they don't get their feelings hurt as much when that person leaves because they know that, hey, this is who we are and we attract the type of clients and that are very, very happy. And, and I think it's okay to, to, to not be everything to everybody. And I think everybody knows that, but yet that's what we try to do all the time, Charles. That's what we try to do all the damn time. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can be the best agent out there. You, mo you have more technical knowledge than anybody else, right? You can you know, negotiate with the underwriters. But at the end of the day, people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. Right. And if it's just not a really good fit with a particular insurance buyer, then it's just not going to be a good fit. Doesn't mean that you're bad. Doesn't mean that you've done a bad job. It just might not be a really good fit. Now, that's, I think, even not necessarily the norm. It's that most of the time that, you know, lots of insurance buyers just really don't hit it off with the producer. And here, let me just even add to this, Jason. Okay. That, you know, you've got the producer, which is one side of the coin. I find that I would say on average, 50% of the broker record letters that take place out there, it's not because the producer has messed up. It's because the account managers have messed up. It's because the receptionist is rude. It's because, mm, you know, the good people points. don't follow up with claims. They're not doing the, the certificates of insurance. So it's not even necessarily the producer. It's the whole team. So there's a lot of elements that come into actually like making sure that a client is being serviced appropriately and how they want to be serviced. So it's not necessarily the producer who's dropping the ball. It's a team effort. It's true. Whether or not you know, it's gained, lost, or retained. See, I'm going to go back and tell my staff that. 
Charles said, it's not me. It's you guys. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Hey, Charles, one thing I saw, though, when I was doing a little research of you, you put out an article back in October. uh, No, you didn't. Yeah, October of 2017, which it really stuck out to me because this is something I hammer home to my producers. Man, I hammer on this. And I was so glad you see it is the quality of a submission. I think that's so overlooked and because in and a lot of it Charles tell me if I'm wrong a lot of it's not the agent's fault they've just never been taught how to make a quality submission mm-hmm. right they just kind of made it up on their own I would say that I mean we're talking about numbers right so we're just mm-hmm. I'm just the vast majority I would say 95 to 100 percent of insurance agents who get in the business nobody actually trains them on how to do this that's right it really trains them on how to put together a submission, which is like, you know, total CSR. Hey, it's a, it is really something that is necessary in today's marketplace, but nobody's teaching them how to do a basic application. Nobody teaches them what an underwriter wants to see, what, what kind of exposures they want to have, you know, summaries on and just knowing what's going on in loss control. Like nobody has actually even showed them here's a bare bones submission. And then here's a quality submission that's going to get you typically a 10 to 15 percent reduction in the in the rate yep. if you show it to the underwriter this yep. way. And so that superior submission, I mean, it look, if you put together just your court apps and loss runs, you know, you send it to you know an insurance carrier, they'll give you a quote. It's just not going to be a really mm-hmm. good one. You'll block the market, which is really isn't in the best interest of the insured, which, by the way, is another reason why I don't like you know using multiple quotes True. or multiple agents rather. It's just, it, it wastes time for the underwriter. But when you put together that just bare bones you know, submission, but then you put together what I would call a superior submission. It's the Accord apps, it's the loss runs, but it's also resumes on the owner. It's description of operations. Uh, it shows, you know, the claim summary, what happened on claims and what the insured has done, you know, since that time to make sure these types of claims don't ever happen in the future. There's financials there. I mean, it really begins answering the questions that the underwriter is asking in his or her mind. The underwriter then starts to say you know, to him herself, you know, this is an account that I really want to get. I understand mm-hmm. this. And so I'm willing to price it a little bit more competitively in order to get it. Um, I have... A lot. I have so many different examples of times in which agents put together a bare bones submission. The underwriter sends a quote based upon that, but then tells them in an email, "I actually have more room if you can get me these these things." Ah, like it happens many times. I personally believe that the vast majority of commercial businesses out there in the United States of America are paying about ten percent more premium than they should be because the agent has done a poor job in regards to submitting their account to the underwriting. Wow. Wow, lay it down, Charles. I love truths like that that just kind of just kind of poke them right in the side, right? Because when we poke them in the side, it makes them move. And when they move, they get uncomfortable. When they get uncomfortable, they start growing. That's why I like that. Yep. That that's good because you are ten percent. I I know we're throwing out numbers, but that's got to be right. Could be eight yep. percent, could be fifteen. But to say ten percent of people are paying more because of that, I've never attached it that way. But yes, a quality submission is 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 so so vital and no one teaches it. It's, it's literally one of the things that we're probably teaching on day three. Um, when I'm, when I'm working Mm -hmm. with my producers, because that's so essential. And the way that I always explain it to them and to give them a visual is that these, this underwriter is sitting on the 57th floor of a skyscraper in New York or Chicago in a little bitty cubicle. And they're looking at your submission that came in with three, five, 10 pieces of paperwork. And they're trying to make a decision if they're going to throw millions of dollars on and on 
want and protection to this place, right? I try to I try to paint right. it that way for my producers so that they can see that, so that then it makes them say like we it's our job that submission every piece of that submission is a different color to the paint that you're putting on the canvas to to paint this picture. That's that's what we're doing here. And the and the person who paints the picture the prettiest, the more detailed, and allows them to to see it. They're the ones that are going to win the account. And not only that, you start winning so many other accounts that you normally wouldn't get because the underwriter trusts you even when you can't be as clear as you need to be. They know that you're giving them everything because you do on the other accounts. Man. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, using that same analogy, you have like, I like it. Somebody's just sitting out in a corner office somewhere like in New York and you're you're some you know agent maybe in Connecticut or you know Florida California wherever and you're submitting an account okay ABC you know roofing for example you you come up with the industry, I mean unless you provide some kind of description of operations about okay. what it is that they do, the vast majority of underwriters will look at the typical submission that's out there and they'll say I really don't even know what this account does like I don't know their name you know just encyclopedia.com I mean, who knows it could be a, a thousand different names for their company but they might not actually even know what the insured does what their product is what their service is how are they supposed to come up with an ideal premium or a rate based upon you know the exposures that are there they just don't know and so they might look at the class code that you offer great but that doesn't tell them anything about their safety that doesn't tell them anything about their loss control are they good are they bad do they have experience in this and so they will price it with reservations and that is not in the insurance that's right interest. that's right man one more Come thing on. to like your listeners like I teach this to my my clients that this idea of a superior submission versus bare bones is one of the things that will be used to allow you to take over a lot of policies by broker record letter because they will realize that their agent has never done this. And so if you just bring a very simple um, application for workers' compensation, which is one of the easier policies out there to write, put together you know, two dummy submissions, if you will, okay, abcwidgets.com. One is going to be just a bare bones submission, you know, the court apps and the loss runs, okay, and explain to them that this is typically what you know the average insurance agents out there put together. And by the way, Jason, this is what insurance agents do on their current clients when they do the renewal. They just put together the bare bones submission yep. and they send it out to the markets. They might not do that on the new business, but they do it on renewal and it hurts the client. But you show up with that and say, look, this is exactly what most agents out there are doing. And then show them your superior submission and why it is much better. And then explain to them the ROI on this particular submission. This is why this submission will receive an additional 5% credit because it offers what you have for a return to work program here. And it shows that you are financially stable. And so you're less likely to have, you know, an, an ethical or a moral claim wow. attached to the policy. Um, there's have you know a superior health benefits package that you offer to your employees, which means that there is less likely uh, going to be any sort of workers' compensation fraud claims attached you know to your account over the course of this next year. And so because of this, the underwriters are much more interested in wanting to quote it. Now the way in which you know to use that um, as a way in which to take over the business is sometimes you know maybe the Maybe the insurer is going to say, well, you know, I think that my agent is doing that or I don't know. So I'll just you know, ask them very politely, always very tactfully, very uh, professionally. Has your agent ever actually asked you for a copy of your return to work program? And have you ever sent it to them? Has your agent ever actually asked you for your current financials, even for this renewal? 
and have you ever sent it to them? Have they ever actually asked you for the resumes on all of the owners and the, you know, the foreman of your organization? Have you ever actually sent it to them? And if the answer is no, then you hold up the bare bones. I feel with a lot of confidence that what they've been doing here is issuing the bare bones submission. And that's not what I would be doing on your account going forward. And you know, just, just being able to visualize that, to show it to your, to your prospect that I will be doing something for you that is going to ensure the very best result. But if you put yourself in the insured's shoes, like they don't really know what an insurance agent does or doesn't do. They don't know if you're a good agent or a bad agent. I mean, it could be that the incumbent is a great agent, but they just don't know. They don't really know if you have good relationships with the underwriters or bad relationships, superior submission, you know, bare bones. Um, they don't know if you are like, you know, 30 days away from you know, being terminated from your carrier appointment because there's just no production. Like why should you know, insurance agent A represent travelers if they have no business with travelers, but insurance agent B you know, has $10 million of premium with travelers? Um, how is the insured supposed to figure that out? There's a lot of different things that come into play on figuring out who would be a better agent to work with going forward. And the insured has no way in which to figure this out. But a savvy insurance agent should be able to sit down with the prospect and really be able to show piece by piece, demonstrate in a very statistical way, I would be a better choice for you to represent you to the marketplace going forward. And here's why. It's not just, you know, here's my broker record letter, please sign this. I mean, that's rude. I mean, that's just rude. And you should be thrown out of the office if you're just throwing out a broker record letter without really giving them a legitimate reason in which that they would fire their agent and hire you. Because that's what a BOR does. It fires the other guy and it hires you. And to do that without actually showing reason or cause of why that would be a better thing is absolutely rude. And I believe that insurance agents who do that, I kind of think that's unethical. It's immoral. Maybe you should even lose your insurance license if you're doing it that way. I certainly don't teach people to do it that way. I teach insurance agents on how to actually service their account appropriately and correctly so that the insurer will get the best result in the marketplace. That's what we're here for, to actually serve. We're here to serve the insurer to make sure that they can pay the least amount of uh, possible and get the best coverage that's out there in the marketplace. Charles, there is fire emojis everywhere. I don't know if you see them, loyal uh -huh. listeners, but there are fire everywhere. And the way to be, dude, that was like a three minute just, just, just rant, you know, on, but it wasn't, it was, it was from the heart. And Charles, I, I can't say that there's like one thing that I disagree with you on any of that. And you actually blew my mind because I'm actually marking the time because there's a, this two, three minute, uh, diatribe you went on here. I am going to, I want my producers to listen to that because you gave me ways I had never put that together. This is like, this is advanced stuff, right? I mean, loyal listeners, I want you to know, like, you're going to, you just can't walk in and just say this, like, you need to set this up. You need to, you need to learn from people like Charles. I mean, how to do this eloquently and actually sound like, you know, what you're talking about, because this was good stuff here, Charles, where you're talking about visually I'm talking about painting that picture for the underwriter and here you go saying, yeah, Jason, we're selling the client and we're also selling the underwriter. But if we're going to be transparent with the underwriter, why don't we be transparent with the client as well? Right. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yep. And I love that because I've knew my brains never went that way to, to use that as a way to separate yourself. I am so big on using these, all these different tactics to separate yourself. <laughs> and I teach that, mm -hmm. but those right there were about four or five that I've never even thought about using. 
And a lot of times, like I would may sit, maybe say to myself, you know what? And in some of my accounts, um, like, like my social services, my non-for-profits, we have to get the financials, right? That's just part of it. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of my mm-hmm. other niches, we don't. And I don't think it really affects the premium much, but I'm learning from you, Charles, and saying, who cares if it affects the premium with everybody? It's the fact that that's a way that you're demonstrating you're you're separating yourself just because the other agent's not asking for it. We ask for these Mm -hmm. things every time, right? We ask for these things every time because we know it completes that picture. And I think that that's a way that you, oh man, that's some powerful ways to separate yourself. I really, really like that. I'm, I'm gonna have to have some training on that, Charles. I'm gonna have to have some training on that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when you talk about insurance agents not being trained on submissions, you know, they're not even trained on sales for the most part. Good I mean, boy. you get a job and you know, you just give you a telephone book and said, go to work, right. right? But every insurance agent out there really has two sales in which to make, if you will. You got to make the sale, obviously, with the insured. Okay, the insured has to buy into you. If you're going to quote, they got to buy your policy, whatever it is. But you also have to sell the marketplace. Like that underwriter, you know, your reputation, and this is one of the reasons why superior submissions is important because if your reputation as an insurance agent out there is that you're just blocking markets, then don't expect really good results True. from your underwriters. Right? If you're you know, submitting stuff and you're not writing it, and that goes back to, you know, there's no reason to have multiple carriers for your agency. Um, but if you have that reputation, you're not the best agent to represent that insured. But just you have to be able to sell the marketplace. You have to be able to convince the underwriter. It's not just enough to block the market to secure the market. It's not even just enough to get the quote. Because if your quote is 10 to 15% more expensive than it could have been because you didn't provide them the right stuff, well, if you show up with that 10 or 15% more expensive quote you know, to your prospect and you go through the proposal, guess what? You're going to lose because you're just too expensive. It's a lot easier for the incumbent agent just to work with their own underwriter and even like, you know, negotiate down, you know, if they need to, but they're probably not going to have to because you showed up with an inflated quote in the first place. So you really have to, you know, position your prospect. If your prospect is a Mercedes Benz, you know, then stop, stop making it look like a used Buick to your underwriters, right? Show it for what it is. You need to showcase that thing so that they want to write it, that they want to underwrite it, that they want to bind it. Your reputation is on the line. Your 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 ability to sell to the uninsured is online. And frankly, if we don't do our best job of showcasing the prospect to the marketplace, then shame on us because we have just handcuffed the insured's ability to get a good quote from that carrier. We have done something what I feel is unethical. And we're causing the insured and lots of insureds out there to pay a whole lot more premium because we're being lazy. You are so right. Charles, I really do appreciate it. If people want to find out more about you, they want to reach out because they want to get a little bit of this. Well, how do they find you? Well, a couple of different places. One, let's connect on LinkedIn. I am there. I try to put a lot of information out on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I spend most of my time. Uh, LinkedIn, Charles Specht. But my website you know, provides a lot of good training, a lot of videos. You have a lot of information there. That's at permissiongroup.com. Permissiongroup.com. Either which way, you know, send me an email. Let's connect on LinkedIn. I'm always wanting to help as many insurance agents as possible. Yeah. And uh, a stand-up guy. I know a couple agencies that have used him. So I'm, I'm going to put my name out there and say that uh, he is uh, high quality. And like I said, I, um, I think that you, you have the best interest of, of listeners. And if I am correct, a little bit of uh, ad, added note to this, if I'm correct, you are a pastor, aren't you? Yes. Uh, well, I'm currently in between pastoring, but I did pastor uh, about for 
seven years up until this last year, we moved to a different community. My youngest son is blind, um, adopted from China, so we needed a little bit more services. So I am uh, I'm preaching, pastoring in different places, you know, at any given time. That's really, I think, where my first and foremost passion is in life. See, that's see, loyal listeners. What do I say all the time? This is the greatest industry God ever created, and Charles is attracted to it for that reason, like we are. So, Charles, kudos to you, man. Thanks for helping. Thanks for being a servant, because like you said, that's our job to serve, right? That's our job to serve our clients. That's our job. That's your job to try and serve us. It's our job to serve our employees. That's what all this is about. It's all about servitude. So, hey, I want to thank you very much, Charles, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. Be sure to reach out to him if you want to find out more, if you want to explode with some growth and you want to just start looking at it a little bit different, not playing the quote game. Doesn't mean that you're coming in there with the broker of letter as a sleaze ball. If you heard Charles for the last 40 minutes, we talked about how to do it ethically, but not only that, to do it actually where it puts your client in a better position. And, and that's what this is all about. So once again, Thank you, everybody, for joining us. This has been Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass. And today we had a conversation with Charles Specht of the Permission Group. I am out. See ya. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.